Hey guys, it's Ash. Happy Friday and all that good stuff. Just chiming in with another bonus episode here. Now, a few weeks ago, we got together two longtime friends of the show, Daniela Greenwood and Maury Voicey Barlin, and they talked about the week's episode on providing culturally appropriate care. Now, we had such a great time recording the chat and got such a great response from you guys that we thought we'd get them back in the studio, or what counts as a studio these days, to respond to this week's episode with Professor Joseph Ibrahim. This was another fun episode, and if you haven't listened to the interview with Prof. Joe yet, we recommend you go back and check that one out, because there's a few references in this conversation to what Joe was talking about. So please welcome back to the stage two of our favourite aged care provocateurs and ex-fast food employees, Daniela Greenwood and Maury Voicey-Barlin. Hello, I'm here with Daniela Greenwood. And I'm here with Maury Voicey-Barlin. What a joy to be chatting with you again this week. Yeah, um, I had a great time last week, but you mentioned Professor Joe Ibrahim. You mentioned Prof Joe last week, and here we are. I did. We're going to talk about him today and his talk. I had no idea about that. It was just... um, Something I recall, he'd either said or was, had written about um, the story of that one woman who who had been um, incarcerated in a dementia-specific area and didn't have dementia, and it was because she spoke a different language that people just assumed it was this terrible combination of ageism, um, hearing, you know, just a hot, her being a woman and that's mm. all right, love, just settle down. So that came up with the cultural diversity conversation and gee I just so enjoyed Joseph's interview with Ash what did what did you think Murray I I was really taken by how measured and calm and rational he is and the amount of information that poured out of that gentleman's mouth that was really <laughs> incredible and but the, the, there's a couple of takeaways for me and I was curious as to what yours were but if I could say you know I've known this but just to hear it again aged care is a business. Yeah. That's the reality of it. Now, it doesn't mean that businesses all operate in an untoward manner, but the reality is the model that we're looking at and the way it is funded. And I, I was just rereading Rick Morton of Swatch Media. He was saying that before the, the 19... Now, as Joe pointed out, all of governments for the last 20, 30 years have had something to do with the way that this experiment has gone in the way they've dealt with aged care. But Rick Morton was just reporting just this fact that before 1997 changes that Howard made to the aged care, the level of nurse hours funded for was 308 hours per week in a 60-bed residence. Guess how much it is today? Tell me. 168 hours. And I think that you hit the nail on the head there without getting political, but it is when um, Howard made those changes that there was this kind of this quasi um, market philosophy applied to aged care Mm. that we could use all of the levers and um, market thinking, you know, the idea that quality will improve because providers will be fighting for customers. You know, all of those sorts of things, which is, is, is a pretty wretched um, and quite cynical way of thinking about aged care when we know that the customers we're talking about um, are vulnerable. And as Joe com- mentioned, when they do complain, it's within the bubble of, yes. of that space. So all of this kind of quasi-market philosophy into the provision of services and support citizens require 
to continue living their lives as citizens, whether that's younger people with disabilities or older people. It's it's this idea that um, the market will fix that. And it, it kind of vacillates between the market will fix it or, or it's charity. And of course, that's where a human rights approach is so powerful. Almost every sentence and phrase Joe said is hours of conversation. Yeah. He started off basically saying residential aged care is a failed experiment. There's been at least 20 similar reports and, and, and inquiries into aged care in as many years, yet still one in three residents are subject to neglect, abuse, or I think he called it suboptimal care. Yeah. There's lots of money in aged care. And it's going directly to providers from government and from citizens themselves. And so, as Joe said, it constitutes a pattern suggesting inherent sort of systemic issues. And he said it was either about the nature of politics or the nature of people. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And I thought this was really, really an amazing point. I mean, the thing was, was, and he said he got off topic, but he didn't because he's talking no, about. No, he didn't. Yeah, he's talking about the way we perceive age and what matters to us. And when we talk about the world, I think we're seeing this in the, the pandemic now, self-interest as opposed to community interest. And he talked a lot about the next generation coming through and when they're in their positions of power, he felt, and what did he say? I'm just trying to remember exactly what he said about the younger generation. And he said, he said he had hope for them, like the 20, 25 yeah. year olds, that more um, a deeper sense of sort of compassion. I don't know, social justice. And here we go. That's what he, he said. They more we see more compassion, socially motivated, and they're more aware. Unlike our seeming philosophy of self-interest, putting aged care in that broader context is absolutely vital. He thinks that there may be changes with the young people he's seeing, and look, I absolutely agree, and I totally agree that people need to pay their fair share of tax. People, rich people, and multinational corporations. Yeah, and he was talking about you know the high standards in healthcare because you have a larger range of professionals, right, who put pushing mm. and stretching each other. And this doesn't occur uh, in, in residential aged care. And the, he said, was talking about the ability to innovate and work together is smaller because mm -hmm. there's not enough fat in the system. Um, what did you make of that? Because I felt like, you know, in terms of growth, if we look at domains of well-being and we talk about growth is a, a very vital part of what we need to exist as humans, what about when someone doesn't have the aspiration for a greater um, a greater level of care or thinking outside the box. Do you think? Do you think I, I, I mean, gosh, that's such a great thought, Murray. And I think within residential aged care, there's deeply embedded institutional thinking. And it's so deeply embedded that I think a lot of current service providers and middle management. They don't even have the capacity to see that they're stuck in that institutional thinking. I mean, how could it not be when you've got, when he even referred to sexual assault in aged care yeah. and mm. the kind of attitude of, of like, well, there's nothing we can do about it but to keep, you know, the perpetrator and victim in the same dementia unit. You know, if this was disability, they'd have guards posted out front of that individual's room 24 hours a day. They'd call Is in victim right? support. They'd call in victim support. They'd call in sexual health. They'd call in a whole range of external people into the bubble, you know, but at the moment, this bubble, and I'm, I'm just finishing up a paper now to submit to an Australian, some Australian legal journals. Professor Joe calls it a bubble. I call it a vortex. 
Wow. Residential aged care is its yeah. own vortex and it sucks people. It's even a vortex that operates on a deeper level than, than broader ageism. We need to go beyond the politicians over the last 20 years. I agree with Joe that they should be called to account and, 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 and made to speak about their strategy. But what did you think about him saying um, the other problem was either the voting, like people don't get to vote, older people don't get to vote, so it's not a politically hot topic, and that all of us have trouble seeing ourselves accurately in the future. What do you think about those? Well, that that, that bit does excite me and anger me at the same time because we we talk about climate change as a thing that our children won't, our children might not see turtles, they may not see koalas in trees, and we talk about that as our children. And what we're looking at here is we're talking about our elders being looked after. And I love what there's a, a good friend of ours, I think Nicole Smith says, we're all elders in the making. This uh-huh. is going to be us. We're going to live in this system very shortly. And so, so what do we do then with that public, I love you brought in climate change because I didn't think of that. It is the same thing. And do you know, it's a well-established phenomenon that people can't accurately envision themselves in the future on any level and they have real trouble with it. And I was thinking because last time you spoke about, um, it was great to talk about practical solutions, but I was thinking that that is a well-established phenomenon. If you think about superannuation, governments worldwide are really aware individuals (laughs) need protection from the apathy and those incorrect perceptions of our current younger selves, our now selves. So I think aged care needs to be treated exactly the same way, exactly the same in aged care. What do you think? Is it crazy? No, I don't (laughs) think that's crazy at all. And what's crazy about that? I mean, realistically, I'm happy for my few bucks of my tax to go to unemployment benefits, health care. I don't mind that. What I object to it going to, well, let's not get too political, but I I object to it going towards coal, new coal power stations and, okay, that's that's what I think. I mean, I, I think it's ridiculous. And I think this is such a good idea because we need to inject more money into it. So where is that going to come from? And I, I you know, and looking at the funding, you, you're talking about Vortex, you know, and you're talking about um, funding models. I was talking to a whole bunch of people. I said, okay, so how did you feel about the aged care? What, what the commission, the Royal Commission, what did mm-hmm. it do for you? And the, the, the main ones that people said was one, they um, were totally, totally disillusioned because they felt something was actually going to happen this time. And then the other Uh half said, no, I'm not surprised. And then others went on to say they talked about reporting burden and they talked about ACFI funding, the aged care funding instrument. And Joe touched on on funding and stuff, but I'm, I, and I think this might be something you might know more about, but I believe the ACFI funding is going to change. But it seems yeah. to me, and you're talking about future-proofing, what happens mm-hmm. when you get ACFI funding and you get paid for someone that comes in with depression and then you mm-hmm. resolve that, they become mm-hmm. um, stabilised or, or, or happier, uh, they settle in, and then you then lose that funding that you had to manage their depression. So it's kind of a perverse funding, I call it. Yeah, well, the perverse incentive is exactly why ACFI is changing. So, you know, you have so lifestyle coordinators implementing wonderful programs like yours, Maury, but they can't on paper note that it's successful because then you lose, uh, you yeah. know, one of the domains of ACFI funding. So I think that's been really well recognised in, in terms of the problems 
Um, and it certainly wasn't the intent of the people who developed it, but, no, it, it, but that's, can I ask? that's the way it unrolled to be. Uh, it it hasn't worked. Yes. It's been a failure and it rewards bad practice. So it's wonderful that they're, that they're looking at changing that. But the one thing that. So there's, um, sorry, there's one the, thing. There's one thing that's come yeah. out of the age. So we found one. Sure. I think. I, I think that was on the cards. I, I agree with Joe that the that, that aged care, um, since the Royal Commission, aged care, it's lost its currency. We know that people can't perceive themselves in the future. It's not going to be a hot election item. We just need to agree that we're going to put money into it, just like the approach we've taken with superannuation. That's such a good, yeah, I think that's right. I think that's where it needs to go. And we, you know, we see that we don't see the money, so... It goes and it goes into a nice account and it builds up. Unfortunately, I'm a bit too old to have a big, uh, big wad in my superannuation. But um, I don't think many artists. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. You would have been better working at McDonald's, Mari, because I they've got a good set. I could have been somebody, Daniela. <laughs> I could have been somebody. I'm getting that badge out, although it's dated. You are a somebody, Mari. You, and the more I learn about you, you're an amazing oh, somebody. Oh, thank you. I think the same. Look, I, I wanted to talk about. You talked, mentioned there about the it's gone, the heat's gone out of this topic. Yeah. And Joe made that point, and I'm just trying to find where he said it, that uh, our Prime Minister did a doorstop, yeah. quick doorstop oh. um, press conference, and Joe was madly searching for the documents that weren't made publicly available. No one could prepare their questions, <clears throat> Murray. It was, a, it was, and when they released the government response, this is really, it's actually deeply problematic and disappointing that this government, that is one thing that they have responsibility for. They th- th- they didn't release that earlier so that journos and academics could ask real questions. Hang on, that's, purposely... you're getting a bit cynical now, aren't you, surely? What are you talking no, about? He wouldn't, they wouldn't do that. So, yes, I'm sorry, <laughs> I interrupted. That, but I, yes, that, that was appalling. I remember that. It was appalling and, and I think... That's a large reason that it's lost its currency. But I do hope that Joe's right. I do hope that the future is brighter with the next generation. But every time I hear that, I think about Bob Dylan and I think about all of those people at Woodstock who wanted to change the world. Yeah. And then they became the baby boomers who um, who are mm. part of, you know, the bank managers and the um, well, you know, and the real estate agents and the billionaires. That's a really that's a really good point. But you know what? You know, there's a cycle to life and to politics, right? And, and, and I think that, that from that came this greed is good and the 80s came from that. And I think you look at Greta Thunberg, you know, like there are people now that are starting to make the Me Too movement. There's the movements are happening again. And I think we will go through the cycle of we need to look at this. And I think, unfortunately, as humans, we will come back to the self-centred version again. I think it's the nature of society. How do we learn? How do we learn to not do this because this is why we get history, right? We need to get out there and say, not on my watch. And if you think about the context of like the disability civil rights movement, the whole political context around it in Australia even, there was rebellion, there was change, there was there was people who were really engaged and, and really, really had a deep sense of injustice. We don't have that at the moment and we need it. What about accountability? I loved it. I'm just thinking about what you're saying because we keep people keep getting away with stuff and we protest now. But what about ensuring accountability? And he said that normally, where is it? Normally, um, you would see heads roll when something fails. Yeah, 
that stuck out to me that as well. Really stuck I, th- out. I I think that that is a conversation for another day that I would love to talk to you about. The heads should roll conversation. Let's remember it, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll mark it down. Um, I think we need to meet for a coffee someday and have this chat over a coffee. So you pick your favourite cafe down there. And oh, are you I, coming to Melbourne? I've, I've got some great cafes. I yep. know some great cafes down there, but tell me. I'll see you. I'll see you in De Graves Lane, where we oh. could we could uh, we could coffee shop hop. Okay, and if you ever come to Newcastle, we'll go to the Edwards. And maybe you know what we should do. Hey, this is crazy. We should invite Ash and Jess and Colin, and they could pay. Come on, Maury. This is a little bit much. Eat the rich. I'm future proofing <laughs> myself. I'm saving it. Hey, nice talking to you. Maury, fantastic talking to you. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. And um, I've got to go and do some dirt because I'm in the garden again today. Enjoy. Enjoy.